you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. I recognize that, uh, as, as Pastor Mark said, when you get up in the morning and it is blazing cold, that there are a lot of things that go through your mind, and thank you for not using any of those excuses, uh, but choosing to be in the house of the Lord. I have started a series on prayer last Sunday that I'm going to be continue. This is the, the second in the series of messages that, uh, again, were born out of some stuff that I read and listened to from Craig Rochelle. And today I want to talk to you about, I pray that you would share your faith. I pray that you would share your faith. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would turn to a little obscure small book in the New Testament called Philemon. You might have to look up in the front of your book to find out what page it's on, but it's right in front of Hebrews. It is one chapter, and you're going to learn a little bit more about it today. But in Philemon, I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 7. I thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Fathers, we approach your word this morning. We recognize that it's only through the guiding of your Holy Spirit that we can come to a full understanding. And so I ask your anointing today. Would you anoint me as the deliverer of your word? And would you anoint hearts today to be receivers of everything that you plan and want to do in our lives? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we started a series and we were talking about some of the prayers that Paul had prayed and what we could begin to glean from them. And uh, if you were here last week, we started with a prayer talking about how we wanted our prayer life to be big, how we wanted it to be God-honoring, how we wanted it to be faith-filled and specific. And, and we were encouraged through the passage of Scripture that we needed to raise the level of what we pray for because oftentimes we have prayed to God for things that um, we believe would be beneficial to us but really doesn't cause Him to have to display His glory in answering those prayers. And so we were encouraged through the Scripture that the Lord says, ask me for some big things. Now how many of you this week during this week of prayer have started to ask God for bigger things than you have in the past? Well, that's good. I see hands all over the place. Then, then I'm glad to see that the work of the Lord is at work within you. What's interesting is when you study Paul's letters to the churches, and when you he, he begins to use some of the same terminology, and particularly as it relates to his prayers. And uh, so, you know, last week he, he talks about, here's what I pray, and then he uses these terms, so that, and then the result of what we should pray for then comes out after that. So last week he said, I pray that you would be filled with power so that Christ may dwell in your inner being. In other words, so we're praying for power, and as I, uh, as I was thinking about this and praying last Sunday night, I spent a lot of time just thinking about this during our prayer time, that really the prayer that we were asking God for power on is not necessarily so that there would be this great outward demonstration of power through our life, but that there would be this great sense of strength that would be inside of our life that would then be the motivation for us being able to stand with conviction everywhere we go and being able to walk in obedience to Him. And so 
we look at this and, and we see how he begins to lead us in these prayers so that we would be filled with power so that God might dwell in our inner being. Now, we have become used to, pre, uh, or to, to praying small, benign, sometimes scary prayers. In fact, I was thinking about some of the prayers that we go through and, and some of them I just don't understand. Now, here's one of these things that when I was growing up as a child and, and some of you that may be my age, maybe you heard this, I, I really kind of think it's funny and I would encourage you as parents maybe not to do this, but many of your parents prayed this prayer with you when you were young right before they put you to bed and it would sound like, you know, you take your three-year-old, you put them in a dark room and right before you leave them, you pray this prayer. I pray... That now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then you shut the lights off and you close the door and say, sleep well, babe. <laughs> now, you probably just scared your kids to death. But that's a prayer that we pray and one I don't fully understand. I would encourage you as parents, you may want to pray something a little bit different than that prayer. And Another prayer that I think is kind of funny, and, and uh, how many of you go to the fair? Can I just, that's just a few months away. <laughs> how many of you eat things at the fair that you don't normally eat in regular life? More hands are up. I, I find this tremendously intriguing. There are things that you can eat at the fair, and I've seen people, they gather up and they go and they get their deep fried Oreo cookies or Twinkies. They get the double, the double cheeseburger, loaded fries, twice the size of a Mountain Dew, you know, that they would know, and they sit there, and then they gather their family together, and they g gather hands, and say, oh, Father God, would you just nourish us <laughs> with this food that we're about to eat? I, I wonder if God giggles sometimes at, at, at prayers like that when we approach him in those ways, you know, um, but Paul's encouraging us to move into a more serious note in prayer, and I want to talk about a specific prayer, and this is a, a really fascinating one, because it's one of the most important things that you can pray for yourself, and one of the most important things that you can pray for other Christians. How many of you from time to time wonder, you know, I would pray longer if I just knew how to pray for people, you know. This is one of those things that you can do and apply there. This is one of those prayers that Paul says that as you pray for this, you will help yourself and help others come to a full understanding of every good thing that they have in Christ. Now, if I had more people praying that for me, I would be overjoyed that you would be praying that I would learn every good thing that I've got in Christ. And so if you want to see somebody have a full understanding, and if you want yourself to grow in a full understanding of what it takes to come to Christ, then Paul has this prayer. And he says, I'm going to pray that you would learn to share your faith. Because as you share your faith, you will come to a greater understanding of the good things you have in Christ. Now let me give you just a little bit of a backstory on this particular book of the Bible. It's an amazing little book. It's called Philemon because it was actually a personal letter that Paul wrote. This was not a letter to the churches like we were accustomed to. This is a letter to a personal friend that he wrote. And uh, it's the only personal letter that is written in the Bible. Now, Philemon, the man that he wrote this to, was a very successful businessman. He was the kind of man that as we read this book, and I encourage you to do that, maybe not right now, but sometime this week, it, it won't take you very long, uh, had a house church in his house that seemed to be going very, very well. And so you picture this businessman, and at that time, uh, they were slave owners, and he had a slave named Onesimus, who, for whatever reason, ran away from Philemon. And uh, 
he runs as he's leaving Philemon and he goes to Rome. And while he's in Rome, he comes in contact with Paul. Now, I picture Paul being one of those guys that you just can't miss in a crowd. You know, wherever, wherever Paul is, he's talking and interacting with people. And, and for whatever re- reason, Onesimus comes and, and he begins to talk to Paul. And, and uh, Paul begins to talk to him about his life and, and leads him to Christ. And the moment that Onesimus is transformed, it is a miraculous transformation. It is totally the real deal. And Onesimus looks at Paul after he comes to Christ and said, listen, I need to go back home. I have run away and I need to go back to Philemon. I need to make things right. And and this is how you know that Jesus changed him because of the things that he wanted to do to make things right after this. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon that you're going to find out a little bit later was a friend of his. and, And he says to him, he said, listen, I am sending Onesimus back to you. And I want you to receive him as a brother in the Lord, even though, you know, you may be angry at him right now. I want you to receive him because he is exactly a brother in the Lord. He has received Christ as his Savior. And he sends this very heartfelt, very emotional plea to his friend, the business owner, on behalf of this slave whose life has been transformed. And we're going to look at just a little bit of the portions of this story uh, because there are some things from that that we can extrapolate and put in our lives that I believe God wants to bless us with. The first thing that he says in the text that we read is, as he's talking to Philemon in this letter, he says, I thank my God always as I remember you in my prayers. I'm always thanking God when I remember you in my prayers. Now, I trust that we have people in our life that when we think of them, we're always thanking God that they're a part of our lives because of the way that they influence us and minister to us. And this is what Paul was saying about Philemon in this letter. And then he gives two reasons why he's thankful for him. He said, number one, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then he says, it's because of your love for all the saints. And I want you to think about this. He is saying, I love you and I love the things that you do because you have a great faith in God and you love your church. You love your church people. You can't wait to be with them and everything you do demonstrates this. And then he goes into verse 6 and he says, and I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Now, I don't want you to miss this because it's important. Because after that, he said, here's the reason. So that, so here's the first prayer. I want you to be active in your faith, sharing your faith. So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Of every good thing we have in Christ. Why did he pray this? Because he knows that each of us, as we journey on this life, need to have days when we just have a full understanding of why it is so good to live for Christ. And that as we proclaim our faith, that those things begin to come to us. Now, I want to I tell this story a little bit because as you read this personal letter, I believe that Paul puts some things in this letter that gives us some insights into what he was thinking, into what he wanted Philemon to think, and even how he wanted Onesimus to act in this. Now, I have to tell you, as I'm, as I'm doing this, this isn't necessarily in the Bible. This is my version of what I think was the motivation for some of this. And so I just want to throw that out there as a disclaimer, that this is, as I learn the Bible, I like to think of the stories and how it came to be. So Onesimus is a slave that's running away. 
for whatever reason, he cannot wait to escape Philemon. And as he's running away, he goes to Rome, and there he runs into Paul. And I would imagine that Onesimus is hurting. Maybe you can see it on his face. Maybe he looks afraid. Maybe he doesn't know what to do. And he begins to ask questions, and and Paul sees him and begins to interact with him. And recognizing that he's afraid and spiritually lost, Paul hits it off with this guy. And they begin to hold a conversation. And as they're talking, Onesimus begins to share with him that I don't know the Lord. In fact, I don't, I'm not really a, a, a godly person. And maybe even shared with him that I don't even like Christians. In fact, I'm running from a Christian right now. And Paul would go, that, that's unbelievable. You're not going to believe this, but I used to hate Christians too. I felt the same way that you did. But then I met the risen Christ in an unbelievable fashion. And it changed me. I met him in a powerful way. And now that I know him, you need to know him too. And somewhere along the way, something like that happened. Because the slave looks at Paul and said, yes, yes, I'm interested in knowing. And so Paul leads Onesimus in this prayer. Onesimus receives Jesus Christ. And instantaneously, boom, He's instantly transformed into a brand new man. And Paul starts talking to him. He says, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? And he goes, well, you know, I've, I've run away from my employer. His name is Philemon. And Paul goes, what, what, what? Just, did, you, did you say Philemon? He said, yeah. He goes, I know him. Philemon is a great man. He's a friend of mine. I know him. In fact, He's got a house church, doesn't he? And Onesimus says, yeah, that's, that's him. I can't believe that you're running away from him because I know him. He's a great guy. And so he says, so you, you worked for Philemon? Yes, I did. So you worked for him, but he never told you about Jesus? No, never told me. Hmm. And the reason that I think Paul looks at this and and begins to write this letter is that you can begin to see, I think, that he wants to teach Philemon some things in the way he writes this letter to him. And so he says, so you worked for this man that has a house church, is a wonderful believer, believer, he's full of faith, he has a great love for the saints, but he never told you about Jesus. A man that you're with every single day didn't tell you about Jesus. And so I think one of the reasons that Paul looks at this is he begins to recognize that in his friend Philemon there may have begun to to develop a very um, self-centered, inward-focused love of the church. He begins to see, you know, sometimes we as God's people can begin to love being together so much that we can't wait to get to church because we're with our friends. I love the church. I love being around the people of the church. I can't wait to get here because of the way we treat one another. But there's another whole side to this thing. That he says we can begin to love the church so much that we forget that we've been called to go outside the church. We can begin to love each other so much that we begin to exclude opportunities by which we might come in contact with people that do not know him and... As you look at the word of God, instead of having the attitude of reaching out, we can begin to retreat. But I want you to know something. Sitting in here and staying away from the world and saying the world is bad and stay away from those people. This retreatism that makes us run and hide within the church is not the plan of God for his church. 
In fact, the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was not, Christians, go to your churches and close the door. Just hang out with each other. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples of people. He said, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. And the light best shines, is most distinct when you are in the darkness. And this is where you will be able to do great work. And so you can almost hear from the way that Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. He's going, listen, be active in sharing your faith. If you're a Jesus follower, you would have to say, I know that that's important. I know that that's something that God calls us to do. But the reality is today in most of our churches, and if I were to ask for a show of hands, which I will not, chances are there's only 10% of you that on a weekly basis take an opportunity to share with somebody else about what Jesus means to you. And I know that we know it's important, yet we don't do it. And the question begins to arise, why don't we do it more often? Why don't we share our faith? And I believe here are some of the reasons we don't. Number one, man, I'm just really busy. I'm afraid that if I am going to start into a conversation with somebody about Christ, I'm on a schedule, I've got a, you know, my phone's going to be dinging, I've got appointments, and I don't have the time for the interruption. I'm just, I'm just so busy. Other reasons is that some of you don't want to become that weird person. You know, the person that is never afraid to share Jesus wherever they are, and for whatever reason, their tactics are kind of an in-your-face, and you, you hear the way other people talk about them, and you're going, I don't want to be like that, not knowing that God can use you in ways that will just be you. Or we don't want to force our beliefs on other people. Well, you know, there's some things we just don't talk about, and as a result of that, I don't want anyone to ever feel forced, and believe me, we don't. We don't force our beliefs on other people. And then we live in a society where, unfortunately, political correctness is beginning to corral the church. Where we are afraid to talk to people about what's going on in their life because if they feel convicted, then suddenly we're wrong. You have made me feel bad. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is a convincer. He makes us feel bad so that he can then make us feel better. He's the one that changes things within us. But through political correctness, we have begun to kind of hone back on that. And I think probably the biggest reason that most people don't share their faith is that they don't feel we know enough. We feel that if we knew more, we would do more, but I don't feel like I know enough. And so here's the tension that begins to arise. And this is the tension I believe is within this passage of Scripture. We think that if we understood more and if we knew more that we would share our faith more. But Paul is implying through his prayer that that's not what happens. He's saying if you step out and share more, you will learn more. You will then know more. The more you talk about Christ, the more he begins to infill you with the very knowledge that you need for that moment. Some of you have never been in a place in your life where you didn't know what to say and you're so afraid of going there as a testimony that you've never given the Holy Spirit the ability to say in this moment when you don't know what to do, I'm going to inspire you and give you the words. And so because we live in the fear of that, we never give him the opportunity. And so Paul is praying that we would constantly, constantly share our faith and that when we share our faith, something very positive begins to happen. Number one, lives are impacted. 
there are people that you are around every day that you know are lost and they need the impact of Jesus in their lives. Not only that, when you share your faith and people come to know him, their lives are changed. It may be that you're only the one planting a seed in somebody's heart and life. It may be that you're the one that's going to water it. Somebody else has planted a seed and they know that you're a believer and so they may just want to ask you questions and, and in that God begins to plant upon your heart the instructions you give and you begin to talk and encourage somebody and water it. Or it may be that you get to be the harvester and you are the one that gets to pray with somebody and lead them to Jesus so that he can change their life. And as you do this, Paul is showing us something else. He says it's amazing what happens, that as you do this, you get a full understanding of the Christ that you're talking about. You get a reminder of everything that he is to you and you begin to grow. Suddenly, as you're sharing your faith, you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. You begin to fall more in love with him as you begin to talk about it. Your understanding of just what it means to walk in the Spirit suddenly begins to explode because now you're being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit can do those great big prayers that you've been praying for him to do because you give him an opportunity to show himself in a brand new dimension to you. He helps you overcome your fear. And the more that happens, the more encouraged you get. Some of you have been dwelling in discouragement. And the answer to getting out of it is to share Christ so that you can become encouraged with what he does through you and in the lives of others. And you've been praying, oh God, help me to be encouraged. Help me to get out of this discouraging. I'm so depressed. And the Lord's saying, then stand up and start sharing and I will fill you with the joy that you need and you will come to a deeper understanding of what I am doing in your life. And then as a result of that, we begin to be very outward and evangelistic. Listen, our vision as a church the reason we exist is to pursue every heart with the love of Jesus. Every heart. That means nobody is excluded, no matter how bad or how evil you may think they are. They deserve the chance to make a decision about Jesus. Every heart we are pursuing. And then our mission is to be God's people, living in God's power, fulfilling God's purpose. We can't be God's people if we never need his power. And we never need his power, we will never fulfill his purposes. So when we begin to tie the prayer for power from last week with the prayer to be witnesses this week, we begin to unlock a channel by which God's saying, now I can do something in you that will be a benefit to my kingdom and will be a benefit to you. So our reasons are unlocked as we begin to work. And so this is one of the reasons that I believe Paul was praying for Philemon. He goes, man, Philemon, you love your church. You love the people in your church. But I want you to know as I send Onesimus back to you with this letter, you also need to love the unchurched as well. You need to begin to share your faith with everybody that you come in contact with. As lives are changed, then Philemon, you will have a full understanding of all of the good things that you have in Christ and your inward focus of your church then becomes an outward focus for the lost. And we are a church full of people that pray. And oftentimes when we're praying, we're asking God to help us become something. Then you have to give him the opportunity to do that within you. So let me warn you. When you begin to pray this prayer, the prayer of Paul, Lord, I pray that we would share our faith so that 
we will have a full understanding of all we have in Christ. What's going to happen is the Holy Spirit has just been waiting for you to give him permission to intersect your life with those that need him. That is a prayer that he will begin to answer quickly. You'll suddenly begin to recognize that there are people that are saying things to you and, and you're beginning to write, that's an opening for me just to plant a seed. That's an opening for me just to share the love of Jesus. They're giving me an opening and you begin to see this through the eyes of the Spirit to begin to share your faith so that then you can begin to see the things of God more clearly. And what I want you to do is, since so many people don't feel fully equipped, I want to give you four very quick ways that you can share your faith. And they're in your bulletin if you want to jot some things down. And I'm going to be very quick about these as we begin to wrap up. But first of all, they all come from different passages of Scripture where they were demonstrated. You can be loving but direct. You can be loving but direct. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, this is what Peter did when he preached to thousands of people. The Holy Spirit had just come upon him. He is feeling a boldness, and he stands up and he preached. And he said, you need to repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, folks, that was very loving but very direct. It was very direct. There are times when you're having conversation with people that the Holy Spirit may begin to tap you on the shoulder and say, this is not one of the times to beat around the bush. You need to just be very direct. And say, this is what you need. God has this for you, and this is what you need. You need to be uh, forgiven of your sins. You need to know him as your Savior. Now, the other side of that is that that's the only approach you ever take before long people will begin to think that you're unloving. So that's only one approach. But there will be times when God will ask you to be very, very direct but loving. Secondly, you can share your story. Every one of us can do this anytime. You can share your story. Every one of you have a very, very powerful story as it relates to your testimony. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter, there's this amazing story of a guy who was born blind. Jesus sees him, comes over, you know, mixes things with mud, works on his eyes, and miraculously, he can see. Jesus did this on the Sabbath, and it caused all kinds of problems. Uh, his parents get called to the pastor's office and the temple, and they begin to ask him all questions about, what did you do? Is this your sin? Is it your son? They call him in there, and, and they're interviewing him, and the son's going, I don't know whether Jesus is from the devil or not. I, and, and he just tells the story. He goes, here's what I know. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes we get so caught up in the aspect of we think we have to have all of our theology perfect before we can say anything, when all people want to know is, hey, I used to be this, I met Jesus, now I'm not. God did something in my life, and they'll hear your story and begin to interact with it. Some of you have great stories. Some of you can say, I used to be an addict, but because of Jesus, I've been set free. Some of you can say, I used to really, really be hurting inside, but I found Jesus, and now I have peace. Some of you can say, I was lost. I was deep in sin, but somebody came with a light and helped me find Jesus, and now I'm walking in the light. And you tell your story. Some of you have been so afraid to tell your story that you've been missing out on opportunity to touch people's lives. And here's what happens. What you don't know is that the way God directs you and guides you, he's bringing you into people where your story will overlap with their need. There will be women that will begin to talk to somebody else. And as you're telling your story, perhaps it was, you know what, I lost a pregnancy too. And then, you, you did? I, I've had that happen also. 
you know what, I've gone through a divorce in the past and I've felt these things. You did? I went through that too. You know, I've had these things happen in my life. I, I've been struggling with these health issues. Really? I've, I've been too. And suddenly you begin to see that your story overlaps with their need and there's an open door within them because they are looking for a way out. And you're out. And you were in. And now they want to hear how God did that. Oh, you were rejected? I was too. How did you get out? I came in contact with a loving Savior who brought some healing to my life. Can I tell you about him? Can I talk to you about him? So tell your story. Thirdly, this is a real hard one. You can invite people to church. It doesn't get any easier than that. You just look at them and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Just come to church with me. In fact, that's essentially what the woman at the well did after she met Jesus and he began to reveal to her her whole life and all the places that she'd been looking for fulfillment and couldn't find it in relationships. And, and Jesus says to her, you know what, you're, you're sitting here next to a well and you're wanting to drink this water, but I can give you a, a water that you'll never thirst again. And, and he brings her to himself. He, he shares with her the living word, the living water. And she runs into town and what does she do? She runs in there and tells everybody, hey, 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 I just met this guy. He's at the well. Come to church with me. It's at the well today. You know, and just starts grabbing people and bringing them to where Jesus was because he had been the answer to her. And so she just invited them. I, I sit here today, and for those of you that know me, you know my story. Um, started when I had a, a grandfather that was uh, an abusive man on my dad's side of the family. And while he was working in the oil fields in, of Louisiana, a friend of his said, told him, you need to come to church with me. So he went, and at church, God miraculously, instantaneously delivered him, delivered him, gave him a brand new nature. My father was born, the youngest of five children after that, and the only child that ever grew up not knowing an abusive father. My dad went into the ministry. I get to be in the ministry. It changed the trajectory of our family because somebody invited him to church. So tell them you'll meet them here. Tell them that you'll sit with them. It's that easy. Think about what could happen if you simply invite them to church. And fourthly, you can live a life that others want. You can live a life in such a way that when people see you, they will want to be like you. Paul and Silas were chained, uncomfortable, beaten and those crazy guys started having a worship service in the middle of some really lousy circumstances and we said earlier this morning that when you begin to praise the power of God inhabits that and it showed up in their presence like an earthquake broke their chains the prison guard thought for sure they had escaped and that he was going to die and they walk over to him and say no we're still here and suddenly he realizes there is a power that is available in their lives that he does not have and he simply says what do you have that I don't and they, and they lead him to Jesus there are those of you that are going through some really difficult things in life and many times you have us pray when you come and say would you pray that God will deliver this from me or that, that the hard times I'm going through would just end would you just you know, pray that God will make everything better and, and those are not inappropriate prayers however can I have you think for just a moment today that maybe maybe God wants to use your difficult circumstance maybe he needs you to look at it through different eyes 
Because frankly, when everything is going good in our life, it's difficult to be a testimony about being different. But when things are difficult in our lives is when people watch us because they know how they would respond. And if you respond differently than they do, then suddenly your circumstance becomes an opportunity to tell them about what makes the difference. Why do you have peace when you get a bad report? Why aren't you going crazy? Why aren't you losing it the way people treat you? Why aren't you doing that? Because there's a peace that surpasses understanding that's been planted in my soul. His name is Jesus. I recognize that things may look really difficult right now, but I know that I am living in the center of God's hands and that he's in full control and whatever he allows in my life, I know that he will strengthen me to sustain it. But can I just tell you about Jesus? And they look at you and recognize there's things within you that they don't have. And they begin to want that in Jesus. So live a life that others may want. That as you do this, Paul's prayer says, so that, so that you will have a full understanding of all good things that Christ gives you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, and as they do, I want to just share with you three quick things that's going to happen to you as you begin to do this. First of all, you get to play a part in a divine story. That man who I don't even know his name, that worked in an oil field, will forever be one of my spiritual heroes. Because he let the Christ within him see through eyes of love an old man that had no hope and invited him. And he, for generations, will be part of the story. Some of you will be part of other people's story. The words that you say will provide an opportunity for them to come to know Christ. And when they tell their children and their children tell their children, and it will go on for generations, your name will be mentioned because you got to be part of God's divine story through your obedience. Secondly, when you share, your faith grows. Let me tell you something. When you lead somebody to Christ, there is an energy that begins to burn within you that you can't wait to do it again. You can't wait. I was on a missions trip to Mexico, and we had led 99 people to Christ. And when we counted up all the cards and we saw that we were one short, the kids ran out of the room onto the street and said, we're not leaving until we get 100. They grabbed the first person that came by and talking about Jesus, led them to the Lord. And 100! I said, that is enthusiasm that comes when you begin to see God at work through your life. And then when you share your faith, you were reminded of what you have in Christ. Because you're going to begin to tell them of what Christ can do in their life. And the moment you do that, you begin to be reminded of what he's done in your life. Every time you go to a wedding, you begin to be reminded, those of you that are married, of why, why you married the one you do it. I, I love sitting with my wife at weddings. I love it as I hold her hand and listen to couples as they say their vows because it reminds me of the day that she showed up. When the doors opened and she came, and I remember those things, it reminds me of all the good things, and we like to talk about it. Let me tell you something. You begin to talk about the goodness of God, and it reminds you of those things. It brings them back to the forefront of all the reasons you have with great joy to praise Him. When you share your faith, you're reminded of what you have in Christ. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning, and I'm going to ask our worship team to lead us in a song. And then at the end of that, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite as many of you as we can get around this altar. The rest of you may have to stand in the aisles. But I am going to pray a prayer of dedication over this church. That we would leave here knowing that our job is not to just enjoy the saints. 
but it's to be fed here so that we can go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ because as you share your faith, you will be reminded of all the great things Christ has for you.